Recorded live. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Dad, remember when you asked me, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, shh, I want to get paid. But right after that, you said, there's no job called getting paid. Really? I said that? Yeah. And that's exactly what I knew. I wanted to go to college. You never know which moments will be the ones they remember forever. So take time to be a dad today. Learn more at one eight seven seven four dad 411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata. And in 1934, when 28-year-old John Stamm, a missionary to China, was being led away to execution by the communist with his wife, Betty. Someone on the road asked him, where are you going? And John called back over his shoulder, we are going to heaven. This young missionary had great hope. And Hebrews chapter 6 speaks of the hope of heaven as, quote, that better country. It also describes this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Oh, friend, when you are facing suffering, or even death like this missionary, may your soul be anchored to the hope-filled promise of heaven where there will be no more sorrow, pain, tears, or death. Lay hold of that hope. Feel secure in it. Be satisfied with it. And may this heaven-hearted hope shape your attitude toward your hardships today. Because you know what? We are going to heaven. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Happy 
Psalm 122. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, 
the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sakes, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good.
This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
Good morning. Good morning. The early morning got the program. Morning Spaces. We'll talk to you in general. And here's our, we, are going, we are now going to our morning prayer. Father God, we come for you this morning saying thank you. Thank you for a, a night's rest. Thank you, Lord, for keeping us all throughout the night. And we just say thank you. Lord, lift up. Lord, we forgive us for any sins that we've done knowingly or unknowingly. Have mercy upon us, Lord. We repent right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we lift, we lift up those, Lord, who, who don't know any part in their sins, Lord. Lord, we lift up those in hospital, in hospice, those behind prison walls. Lord, we. we we lift them up to you as well, Lord. We lift up our men and women all forces, Lord. We even lift up, Lord, those who are in need. Lord, we lift up every uh, man and woman of God who's going to preach the word today. Holy Spirit, you work within them. You work in them. We thank you, Lord. We thank you in advance for your word this morning. Lord, bless our family, our friends, our church family, our neighbors, Lord, our pastor and his family. Lord, we, we lift up those, Lord, who, who don't know which way to go. We lift up those those who are homeless. We lift up those those. Those who ran away from home, Lord. Those, those youth that ran away from home. We pray, Lord, that they'll come back home. That come back home to their families, Lord. And Lord, we lift up those who do who contemplate suicide. Lord, just touch them down. We pray, Lord, that someone will come along and tell me that there is life, there is hope. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we lift up those, Lord. We lift up our family, our, those men and women in armed forces, those men and women in uniform, our EMTs, our, our Chief, firefighters, and police officers, even our security people who work in security, Lord, we lift them up to you as well. We lift up our government, our president, and his family, the president Biden and his family, and the speaker of the house, and his family, and everyone in Congress, who House and Senate. Everything, God, protect us, cover us with your wings, Lord. Keep us 
Peter said, how in danger. Thank you.
There is no hope for these men apart from the power of the transforming grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. They need the cross. We need the cross. Every day, your living argues for the necessity of the cross. And every day, in some way, all of us give empirical evidence that the cross of Jesus Christ is the only place for our hope. We find ourselves in this final movement of the Gospel of Mark, as Christ now physically moves toward Jerusalem. And he's followed by sort of two identified groups. One is the disciples, and then there's this looser circle of followers. And they're on the road to Jerusalem. Jesus is walking ahead of them. He knows exactly where he's going. He knows exactly what he's going to. And it says, they were amazed, and those who followed him were afraid. I would argue that the disciples at this point are in a constant state of amazement. They, Jesus has just taken them beyond every category they have uh, in life. Uh, his responses, his call, his message, his actions and reactions are just different than what they've known, different than what they predicted, they would have predicted. Uh, and uh, as he is discipling them, he's teaching them the new culture and the new way of his kingdom. They're just astonished and amazed. And the ones who are following him are a bit afraid, but perhaps that's because uh, the crowd who's around Jesus would have, would have seen the scribes and Pharisees. They would have seen the way they're on the attack. They're trying to set up Jesus. They're trying to demonstrate that he's a fraud, uh, a charlatan, and untrustworthy. Uh, they're concerned about the growth of this gathering crowd, they're beginning to plot uh, his demise. And Jesus is heading to Jerusalem for the ultimate collision. He's heading right into the epicenter of the influence of the scribes and Pharisees. He's either crazy or suicidal or he's a man on a preordained mission. And what Jesus describes once again the third time is the suffering that is the epicenter of his reason for coming to earth. And as he describes this, now in greater detail than he's ever described it before, he's not describing a defeat. He's not describing something that's in the way of God's plan. He's describing God's plan. Because in his trial, in his being mocked in his torture, in his death on the cross, in his resurrection, is the single place where the hope of the universe can be found. This one came to be the Lamb. And there's a way in which every movement from the very first verse of Mark has been moving toward this moment. This is the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. This is the one who will give his life a ransom for many. This is the epicenter of the gospel. 
This is not just a great teacher. This is not just a compassionate man. This is not just a wise prophet. This is not just a holy man. This is the Lamb of God. And Lamb who sacrificed every human being who has ever lived is in desperate need of. Now imagine if you're following Jesus. Imagine you hear him describe the terrible things that he's described. That he is actually going to be uh, tried in a travesty of justice. He will be condemned. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will do horrible things with this Son of God. They will mock Him. They will spit on Him. They will flog Him. And ultimately, they will crucify Him as a criminal. If you had been hearing that, what would have been in your mind? Or maybe, more importantly, what would you have said next? This is where I just want to detail you this, this very, very clear picture of what sin does. And I want to pass to you for a moment before we look at that. I want to encourage you not to step away from this passage and say something like this to yourself. Dumb disciples. They never got it right. I'm glad I'm not like one of them. Because the Bible is very clear in saying that these characters in Scripture are people like us. That they sit as examples for us. That, that these moments provide mirrors for us so we could see ourselves as we actually are. I think I've said this to you before. I'm, I'm not embarrassed to repeat it. We want to think that no one has a more accurate view of us than we do. And that's why when someone points out a sin or failure or weakness to you, you get a little bit defensive and you activate your inner lawyer and you, you begin to marshal arguments for your righteousness. And, and so we need the mirror of the Word of God. We need to see these things. We need to pray that God would deliver us from these kinds of responses, sort of the universal things that, that sin does to all of us. Immediately upon Jesus talking about the horrible suffering he would face, James and John come to him and say, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. How amazing is that? Jesus, we would like to hand you this blank page and have you endorse it. Now let me just detail five things that I think are important to see in this, to just lift out of this passage, and I want to make some other explanations of the passage. First thing that sin does is sin causes us to be incredibly discompassionate and insensitive to the plight needs of others. 
2 Corinthians 5.15 says that Jesus came so that those who live would no longer live for themselves. Uh, the DNA of sin is selfishness. Uh, we were meant to live in loving, worshipful community with God and loving community with our neighbor. And, and sin turns us in on ourselves. It's incredible at this point. The, the amazing lack of sympathy in the disciples, lack of as if they hadn't heard what Jesus just said about on the faith. Amazing moment. Another thing that you see here. Teacher, we want to do you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He said to them, What do you want? me to do for you. And they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Be humbly honest this evening. Jesus would say to you, what do you want me to do for you? What would you answer? What would be the first thing on your list? Jesus, you could make my children easier to parent. My husband or wife more agreeable and compliant. My grass have less weeds not grow as fast as it normally does. An amazing increase in my finances. Physical health. Predictable schedule. What would be your one thing? What's, a, what's amazing in this request of the disciples is not just its arrogance and outrageousness, but its utter lack of of sense of what these men actually need. What they actually need, desperately need, that they're now proving that they need, is the very redemption that Jesus has come to offer them. They have no sense in this request of their spiritual need. No sense of how desperate their condition is apart from the work of this Jesus. And that enables them to make this incredible request. Sin loads us with self-interest. This is this request, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory, is, has nothing to do with the plans and purposes of the kingdom of God. These are not men who are saying, we want this position so we can exercise more influence and spread this beautiful message of redemption around the world. That's not what it's about. This is kingdom of self stuff. This is desire for prominence, desire for position, desire for power, desire for that special place. It's, it's that meism that sin produces 
in all of us. What would be your one thing? As Jesus then says, and I'll come back to this, guys, you don't know what you're asking. Uh, Are you able to drink the cup that I will drink or be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized? What is the response of these men? Without a thought, we are able. The, the pride, the incredible self-confidence of this in uh, no sense of their own vulnerability and weakness, no sense of the lameness that sin leaves us with, no sense of you see here when in here verse 41 of the request of James and John they're angry you know why they're angry James and John got to Jesus first They're angry at the thought that these two guys would get an advantage that they didn't get. Here's what all this means again. It's so important to remember that sin pushes me to the center of my world, the one place where I must never be. Sin really does make it all about me. Sin does load me with with self-interest, with pride, with jealousy. Jealousy is about I deserve and you don't. And all of those things argue that we need rescuing grace. Here's why. These are conditions of the heart. I cannot deliver myself from these things. It's these things in my heart that make me a lawbreaker, that make me want to write my own rules, to be a sovereign over my own life. And because of those conditions of heart, I am not able to escape my own sin. I'm not able to live in a way that's pleasing to God. I stand in desperate need of His rescue. And I'm amazed as I read these passages of the patient grace of Jesus. I mean, he actually has with these men a very loving, a very instructive, a very patient conversation that leads them from where they are to where they need to be. What incredible grace. Look, if you would, at verse 38, Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? 
Well, the answer to that is no, you're not able. That cup and that baptism are used in Scripture to talk about the suffering of Christ. There's a way in which the disciples were not going to be part of that suffering because there were elements of that suffering that were absolutely messianic. They were absolutely reserved for Jesus. On the other hand, he says, the cup that I drink, you will drink, and the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. You guys don't understand. Rather than being princes and dukes in my kingdom, rather than this life of prominence and rulership, by grace I'm calling you to suffer. Jesus will say later, they hated me, hate you. And he says, look, position in my kingdom not about the politics that you play. It's not about what you have earned. It's about the sovereign plan. This kingdom operates. Jesus calls the twelve together. And let me just read for you the last. You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says this, you've got this whole thing wrong. This kingdom that I've called you to be part of does not operate the way the kingdoms of this world operate. It's not, again, about prominence and power and possessions and uh, your pleasure as a result of all those things. Here's what you're called to. You're called to be a slave. Think about that. There is nothing in the life of a slave that he determines. Every aspect of the life of a slave is determined by the will of another. Every aspect of his life is a picture of dependency on another. Everything all the boundaries of his life are set by the rules of another. All of his energies are lived for the success, glory of another. There's a way in which the whole life of a slave is expending personal energies for the sake of another. Here's what Jesus is saying. It will never be about you. It will never be about you. It's about me. It's about my plan. It's about my glory. It's about my grace. It's about my kingdom. 
And I've called you to lay down your will, lay down your way, lay down your plan, lay down your dreams for you, and to find joy in every aspect of your life being dictated by the will of another. Do you find joy in that? That God lays claim to every aspect of my life. He lays claim to my mentality, my emotionality, all of my gifts, all of my relationships, all of my possessions, all of my private and public moments, all my moments of leisure and work, all of my joys, all of my sorrows, all of the things that make up the life of Paul Tripp, he lays claim to. The rule of his kingdom is this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in order for that to happen, my will must die. That's what his grace is doing. His grace comes to release you from your bondage to you, from your slavery to your own will. so that you would find joy in the thing for which you were created. You would find joy in living in every moment of your life, public and private, for the sake of his glory, for the furtherance of his kingdom, for the success of his will. That's the kingdom I've called you to. You get it all wrong, boys. And I think we do too. We can turn the message of gospel to a system of theological always rightism that is about the pride of knowing somewhere glory of the Savior is lost in that because it's about human glory. And I can argue you in the corner because I know more than you. And I feel the buzz of having, doing, having done that. That pollutes the gospel of the kingdom. We can think that because we are uh, seeking to live inside of God's boundaries, because by His grace He's taught us things about how we are to live, that we're better than other people. And this message of grace can end up being a message of church can be a place where people seek power and prominence rather than the life Here's rules the way of this kingdom my will and you find joy daily moment by moment every place in your life service of the plan purposes will glory of another that will only happen self-serving sinners by means of transformation. Jesus ends by saying, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to 
even I not come. To escape suffering. I have come to suffer. I have come to do the will of my Father. That will formed before the foundations of the world would be the Lamb. Right here, right now, in my finances. Right here, right now, in my thoughts. Right here, right now, in my desires. Right here, right now, in my relationships. Right here, right now, with my gifts. Right here, right now, with my parenting. Right here, right now, with my career. Right here, right now, at my university. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's where transforming grace finally delivered from our own sovereignty. Find joy in every area of our life. although the disciples were unique in their calling, they surely are not unique in their struggle. Look into the mirror of responses of these men and we see ourselves. Celebrate, again, your willingness to come. You who could call 10,000 angels to deliver you from any suffering, you were willing. Lord, may we open our hands to you. May we open our hearts to you. May we say with open hands and open hearts, your kingdom your will be done earth as it is in heaven. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Hey, churchgoers, looking for a little morning inspiration? Well, listen to morning inspirations and the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
Good morning, your early morning gospel program, One Inspirations. Our Sunday school, If you, for those of you who are getting ready to go to Sunday school this morning, our Sunday school lesson is coming from is, um, Witnessing to the Truth. Uh, youth and young adult topic is Speak Out. Devotional reading, Revelation 22, 1-7, Prince Passage, Acts, the fifth chapter, 27 to 29th verse, 33 and 42nd verses. Background scripture, Acts, the fifth chapter, 12 to 42. And the key verse is Acts 29. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. That's our Sunday school lesson for this Sunday morning. This is Morning Inspiration with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The following is a presentation of God Questions Ministries. What signs indicate that the end times are approaching? Matthew 24, verses 5 through 8, gives us some important clues so we can discern the approach of the end times. For many will come in my name, claiming, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. An increase in false messiahs, an increase in warfare, and increases in famines, plagues, and natural disasters. These are signs of the end times. In this passage, though, we are given a warning. We are not to be deceived because these events are only the beginning of birth pain. The end is still to come. Some interpreters point to every earthquake, every political upheaval, and every attack on Israel as a sure sign that the end times are rapidly approaching. While the events may signal the approach of the last days, they are not necessarily indicators that the end times have arrived. The Apostle Paul warned that the last days would bring a marked increase in false teaching. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. The last days are described as perilous times because of the increasingly evil character of man and people who actively resist the truth. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 9. Other possible signs would include a rebuilding of the Jewish temple in Jerusalem, increased hostility towards Israel, and advances toward a one-world government, The most prominent sign of the end times, however, is the nation of Israel. In 1948, Israel was recognized as a sovereign state, essentially for the first time since A.D. 70. God promised Abraham that his posterity would have Canaan as an everlasting possession, Genesis 17, verse 8. And Ezekiel prophesied a physical and spiritual resuscitation of Israel, Ezekiel chapter 37. Having Israel as a nation in its own land, is important in light of end times prophecy because of Israel's prominence in eschatology. Daniel 10, verse 14. With these signs in mind, we can be wise and discerning in regard to the expectation of the end times. We should not, however, interpret any of these singular events as a clear indication of the soon arrival of the end times. God has given us enough information that we can be prepared, and that is what we are called to be. God Questions Ministry seeks to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by providing biblical answers to today's questions online at gotquestions.org.
takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. Studies prove that reading to a child regularly dramatically improves reading skills. And kids who read well by third grade are four times as likely to graduate. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Communities improve. The path to success starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Be a reader, tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org now. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. This is Ann Graham Lotz with Daily Light for Daily Living. What seemingly impossible task has God given you to do? Have you done it, or are you procrastinating? What if Noah had procrastinated and told God he would build the ark, but at a time when he felt more capable, or when his financial situation was more stable, or when his family was more self-sufficient, or when it was just more convenient? If Noah had the attitude many of us do when God gives us an assignment beyond our ability, he would have been totally unprepared for the horrifying devastation when it struck, and we wouldn't be here today to talk about it. Instead of procrastinating, Noah obeyed without question or hesitation. Genesis 6.22 says that he did everything just as God commanded him. Listen to me. What is your impossible task? Obey God just as he has commanded. You'll be glad you did. This is Ann Graham Lott. Hey, churchgoers, looking for the little morning inspiration? Well, listen to morning inspiration and the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
Wow, yeah, since the storm, it's been crazy busy for us. We got all kinds of office desks coming in. Uh, here's a here's a fancy one right here. It's missing a leg, but that's all right. Whatever. Washers and dryers from a laundromat. Oh, wow, check this out. Another deep fryer. And I'm not sure what this doohickey is. Yeah, most businesses weren't ready for a storm like that, you know. But our work's really piling up here at Roberts and Sons Salvage. What will become of your business after a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency. And 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Donnie McClickin, and I've got a personal note that I'd really like to drop in your spirit today. I want you to understand the blessings of God and how they're supposed to enhance our lives. Blessings are not always financial, but the Bible says in Proverbs 10 and 22, it says, the blessings of God makes us rich and adds no sorrow. This richness that it's speaking of deals with our lives being full, our lives being complete, our joy being prevalent and noticeable, us being seen as someone who profits in God. The richness of God deals with a soul that is healed, a spirit that is in touch with Jesus. Our lives being rich is having our family whole, as having our friends close, and even our enemies reconciled. Blessings of God makes us rich and will take your sorrows away. Be sure to join us tonight at uh, 8 p.m. for Nation Talk. We're going to talk about child abuse and child trafficking. Very, very serious topic. Be sure to join in with us tonight. Here's Mariah Carey.
for all the wrong things that I have done. I'm sorry for my sin. It's my sin that puts you on that cross. And I'm sorry. I don't want to live in rebellion to you anymore. I ask you to forgive me. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me to pay the price for all the wrong things that I've committed against God and against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead, from the death of the seer. You are giving me a new life, the life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart and according to your word, at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. ask you friends in closing tonight have you done this have you obeyed the gospel have you obeyed the gospel have you come to that obedience of faith have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith have you turned around have you forsaken your sin have you turned around have you forsaken your sin are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation for there is no other way there is no other message for there is no other way there is no other message oh come to him come to the saviour tonight come to him just as you are come to him in your sins come to him in all your needs and cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace Cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself wholly to him. And you too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I hope to be I owe it all
if it is true until tonight, 8 p.m. for Nation Talk. So then, see you in Sunday School Morning Worship, and right back here for Nation Talk. Have a wonderful and blessed morning.